Happy New Year. Oi, oi. <laughs> Welcome to episode 14 of the Ragamuffin Music Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm James. And I'm Dan. This is a place for us to talk about the music we love. Every month we get together, talk about the latest news, music and trends in the world of alternative music. Today we'll be reviewing brand new singles from Muse, Corn and Loathe, along with the new full-length releases by Under Oath, Fit for an Autopsy, plus more. And we'll be talking about who's going to have the best 2022. But first, did you boys make any New Year's resolutions? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> on to the news. Right, on to the news then. Okay. Starting off with some sad news. Every time I die, I've broken up. It was announced on January 17th that they're no longer together. Um, it's always sad when a band of this caliber breaks up, especially in a way that was this messy. Um, I think that's the saddest thing about it is the way that it's ended. Yeah. I think their legacy didn't really deserve this ending. There was some conflict a few months ago when Keith Buckley claimed to have overheard a conversation on tour in which the band were planning to replace him. He was then absent from the remainder of that tour, citing mental health reasons. And then lawyers and cease and desist letters all got involved and it's also just sort of fallen apart. Um, Guitarist Jordan Buckley hinted on Twitter uh, in responding to fans saying that the other members will likely be carrying on without Keith, likely in a new band with a new name. Um, That seems to be part of what the whole cease and desist was a part of, just to make sure that Keith isn't using the band's name going forwards. And that this is just an end to the band because I think there's been a lot of back and forth about oh are they just going to kind of try and carry on without him? But I think they said in their statement pretty much that every time I die was the five of them, and anything they do with the four left over is going to be something completely new and separate. Just so I think there's no mix up with what fans could be expecting from them. It is very sad. So let us know your favourite every time I die song in the comments. Some good news: Paramore are back in the studio for the first time in five years. They said in an interview with Rolling Stone, quote, we're still in the thick of it, but some things remain consistent from the start. One, more emphasis back on the guitar, and two, Zach should go as animal as he wants with the drum takes. So, very exciting for, for me. <laughs> Heavy Paramore. Yay. I love Paramore. In other news, Einstein's definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And with that in mind, the Nevermind Baby has refiled his lawsuit. <laughs> and he is a baby. <laughs> The first suit was d- dismissed by a judge after the baby failed to emo- failed to make meet a motion that was filed by Nirvana, and so now he's refiled again. I don't want to comment on whether or not he legitimately experienced trauma as a result of what he's gone through, but I think when you remake the cover multiple times throughout your life, have Nevermind tattooed on your chest, sell signed CDs, and base your personality off being a famous baby, then I don't know. Maybe you're just sort of milking a cash cow completely agreed i wish i was a famous baby me too (laughs) life would be so much easier free money yeah yeah well no work not not anymore for him that's that's why he's doing it allegedly (laughs) (laughs) neck deep and bring me the horizon both postponed their eu tours um and interesting that bring me horizons tour now doesn't feature lorna shore on the poster um we'll talk more about this a bit later on just the state of gigs but sad to see you know the last few months of 2021 were so much fun having live music back and now it's sort of like, oh, it's gone again. But very sad. Daniel Radcliffe is playing Weird Al in a biopic coming up. Strange. From. Very it's strange. It's weird casting, but I'd be intrigued to I see what it think comes of out like. one person better to cast to play Weird Al. Who? Weird Al himself. <laughs> yeah, he, that's the sort of thing he would do, isn't it? 
And the last bit of news, the When We Were Young Festival, we've done a whole video talking about this, so we won't go into it anymore. You can check it out in the top corner of the screen right now. But it's bloody mental. It's all right, isn't it? Pretty good, yeah. Pretty good. And that's the news. All right, let's talk about last month's recommendations then. James, what did you recommend last time? I recommended Become the Hunter by Suicide Silence. This one sort of passed me by at the time of release. Um, I think I was hesitant, probably at the time subconsciously, to try it because I really love Mitch Looker's albums. And also the Doris song that they put out, the album prior, was poor, massively off-putting for me. Um, and I missed out because I really enjoyed this album. I think it, it suffered for me because we've had so many good Deathcore releases recently that I've really loved. Whitechapel, Lorna Shaw, Slaughter to Prevail. But this one was a bit... I had to remind myself that this was a bit older, mm-hmm. um, but still just great. The first half of the album, I think, was better than the second. But Agreed. Yeah, just massive tunes. It's exactly what you want from them, especially after how fans felt after the self-titled album. Um, a bit more of a return to form. Yeah. So I loved it. Dan? Yeah, I've I've not listened to much of this silence before, but I really enjoyed this. Um, the intro sets a nice atmosphere, and then it's straight to business with a heavy with heavy chuggy riffage, and a double kick drum that marches you through pretty much the whole album. Um, Meltdown and Two Steps are a great way to start the album, and I think the latter might actually be my favourite track from the whole thing. Um, love the guitar turn across the album, um, although it could have maybe done with a bit of variety at time at times. It kind of got a little bit repetitive. Um, but some of the lead parts are lovely, like in Love Me to Death. Um, the vocals are awesome as well. There's a great range of screams, um, including some that I thought sounded a bit like the zombies from the original Call of Duty Zombies. Um, and yeah, it was just consistently good through the whole album, and I really enjoyed it. Great recommendation, Jay. Uh, I recommended Fail You Again by Can't Swim. What do you guys think? This was my kind of first foray into listening to them extensively, and I just found it a very enjoyable listen. Um, I had it on like a few times in the background, just as that easy listening while doing other stuff around and just kind of easily fell into listening to it again and again on repeat, to be honest. Vocal performance was solid. Um, solid drumming again. Nice melodies throughout as well, which I think was just quite subtle. You didn't expect it from this. And I'm definitely interested to hear more. Um, we Won't Sleep, Stranger and $50 million are like the standouts for me of this. But for something that I hadn't really gone into before, very much enjoyed it. Cool. I've always been a fan of Can't Swim's kind of gloomy take on pop punk. Um, they reveal their heavier side as well quite early on in the album, and it gives a great taste of what's to come across the whole thing. Uh, just some really solid pop punk songs as well, with Stranger just being an absolute banger. Um, and it's nice to revisit this album again and hear hints of the sounds that they explore a bit further on more recent releases. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing them again at 2000 Trees. Oh God, I forgot they were at Trees. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> I recommended Enter Shikari's A Flash Flood of Colour, which has just turned 10 years old. Happy birthday. I feel like there are some bands that you can get into straight away and some bands that you need to have like that click moment. And listening to this at this time was like my click moment for Shikari. Like, I, I get it now. And with this album especially, I thought it was really fun and like really anthemic. And actually, I enjoyed the electronics a lot more than I thought I would. Um... The only song that I knew prior to listening to the whole album was Arguing with Thermometers. And the electric electronic elements on that, I thought, oh, I like it in moderation. Hopefully it doesn't dominate the album. And I think that they blend it really well with like the heavy stuff and the 
the like really melodic like soaring choruses that they do i've always felt that this album is kind of where they've got the balance of all their kind of what's the words all their sort of stylistic choices yeah, yeah i guess all their influences and all their their styles kind of blend together just right they get the balance perfect on this album i think the only thing that took me out of it was like sometimes the lyrics felt like they were trying a bit too hard to be a slogan on a poster at a protest you know what i mean yeah. like it, sort of trying to be too smart with what they were saying rather than getting to the point but by the time i got to the end listening to constellations i was just like what were you all arguing about like why is the world the way that it is you just play the song to everyone and like we'll all be fine so loved it and it also it made me um dip into some of their other music as well um, i started listening to the latest album nothing is true and i'm really enjoying it um so yeah converted we've got a new shikari yes. fan this was very much like a 50 50 album for me um there are moments i love and there are moments that it just felt like a little bit of a weird dynamic between like different jumps in like, like you said the stylistic choices i found it a bit more jarring i think there were like some songs that really stood out um snake bit loved it not just for the heavy parts but the chorus I think just has nice guitar tones throughout underneath it. Just I loved vocals were diverse, which is wonderful. And then the we're nice guys until we're not. That was fantastic in the breakdown. Just wonderful. It always comes out of nowhere, doesn't it? It does. And it's like I remember the first time hearing it and just being like, oh shit, okay, this is quite cool. Um love like the double bass work on Search Party. Arguing with thermometers was probably one of the most confusing listens to music I think I've ever had. <laughs> Um, like the jumps and changes to like different genres and sounds it's mad and I'm going to be honest I still don't really know what I think of it and that's been quite a few listens just trying to uh, get a grasp of like yeah my opinion I think and that's a good there. thing I think I think it's a good thing it's, it's I'd rather have music make me question it and give me some kind of thought than listen to it and get nothing from it the thing so is doing well. something right thing is with a song like that is you listen to it so many times that even if you can't decide how you feel you know it now yeah, and it's, it's like it's, it's going to be in your head anyway, so you might as well just enjoy it now. <laughs> yeah, and then um, hello Tyrannosaurus, meet Tyrannosaurus was interesting. I got some like prog metal vibes during the latter half of it, which was very different again because there's so many different genres. I guess you can hear, like you say, they're pulling from all different parts of their influences. If that was a bit of an odd one for me, I didn't expect that. Um, and I think I've got one word to sum up my kind of time through the album. And it's just confused because I enjoyed it. There are some great, great parts to it. And then there's other parts where I'm just like, mm, not sure if that works for me, but I kind of enjoyed it as a listen to go through, to be honest. So yeah, I'm still somewhere in between. Well, oh, great recommendations all round. Well done, team. Well done, everyone. Well done. Let's look at the latest releases then. Vane FM released The Killing Womb. This is the first single from their upcoming album, uh, the world is going to ruin you and it butters all my parsnips but what did you guys think yeah this was for me my first exposure to Vane um, I bloody love it I think it's just interesting right from the start with like the toms and like guitar effects and the dissonance of the riff was just absolutely gorgeous so I'm a big fan of this um, great production on the track yeah. cymbal work in particular sounds out in the way that it's just like mixed in there lovely blast beat sections keeping it fresh and yeah, two and a half minutes of just fun. So, big fan. But two and a half minutes wasn't enough. I no. wanted more. Um, 
I kind of quite liked stylistically how the vocals seem like they're kind of trapped behind the wall of noise from everything else, which I imagine is exactly what they were going for. Because yeah. it kind of, yeah, like I said, gives that feeling of being trapped, I guess. But yeah, I wanted more. It was too mm. short. I think also, like, regardless of your opinion on new metal as a genre, I mean, it rules. Just, but you can't deny, like, the influence that it's had on the generation that are now writing music because I think it's resulted in some of the most exciting music. You look at bands like Loathe who have taken, like, the Deftones side of things and then something like this, where it takes, like, those new metal influences plus hardcore and more traditional metal and it's just, like, this unrelenting torrent of music. Plus, really sick music video. Yeah. Well, I like as well that um, they've said in the past they take influence from the Silent Hill soundtrack. Interesting. Um, which is a really, yeah, it's a really interesting like place to pull an, an influence from. And I feel like it's reflected in the music that there's this sort of uncomfortable horror element to it. Um, it's like just harsh. About it. Yeah, it's just harsh and bleak as fuck, and I love it. Mm. I think this kind of horrorcore kind of sound is becoming quite popular now there's loads of bands doing it like loathe you mentioned code orange yeah oh i'd, I'd like a tour of that please the horrorcore tour the horrorcore <laughs> tour ice nine kills not invited <laughs> <laughs> so sticking with that then loathe dysmorphius display dimorphius display i've dimorphius been doing that as well oh. i've been i've been reading it with an s in there like an idiot intriguing is the word for this i think the mix is weird like, I've seen a lot of people online saying that the mix is bad, but I feel like it's deliberate what they're doing, and it's to create an atmosphere. But it's sort of, I think, muddied the vocals, especially, and the drums. Like, I Let It In was chaotic, but really clear sounding, um, whereas this felt like a mirage of sound. What was um so yeah i don't know yeah like, it was a weird one this wasn't what i was expecting from loathe and bear in mind i don't really know what to expect from them in a certain way but you've kind of got their signature bass field riffage that you're just going to get the melodic sections i think were nice kind of dipping in and out of it but again i find it int intrigue was a word that i had with it and i struggled to enjoy it a little bit i think i feel quite neutral because part of me really loves it but there's nothing that really grabs me. Like I've had another load of songs that I listen to that I hear and I'm like straight away, love it. So it's kind of like somewhere just a bit below and not disappointed, but maybe just expected a little bit more. Um, it took me a few listens. Really, first listen, I wasn't keen on it at all, especially with the kind of jarring production style that you guys have mentioned. Um, something It clicked a bit more after a few listens, but it's still something that doesn't make it easy to listen to. Um, although I do actually like the, the drum and bass percussion kind of style. I think that works really well. Um, and I feel like the chorus to me is like a reflective drunk having an epiphany and then it all, all the noise kind of fades to peacefulness at the end. I wanted to talk about the outro actually, cause I like that. Yeah. It's sort of like all these layers going on and then they sort of like dissipate away. And then there's that like harp sound yeah. that like sort of cascades and like sort of floats up and down sort of like. Oh, yeah, almost like bit like being lulled to sleep at the end. Like yeah. you've had this epif drunk epiphany and then you just sort of pass out. I feel like, yeah, it was a really, it was a nice way to wrap up the song. I, I th it's exciting. I think they're going to keep doing new and interesting things. It's the same as like when we had the um, instrumental album last year. People were like, wow, it's shit. 
but if you just enjoy sorry it, what did they say ah shit <laughs> yeah, yeah that's what i thought which i liked by the way but yeah i think low they're an exciting band to keep an eye on another band to keep an eye on the static dress they've got a new song disinter what did we think well this made me happy actually like after the sort of mixed response that we had from prologue um I think this is just them doing what they do best, which is balancing chaos and like frantic writing with melody and catchiness. And it's sort of all anchored in the way that Ollie delivers his vocals. Like, I feel like it's very deliberate the moments that he sings, the moments that he screams, and then the moments that he's in between um, is like the the way that the whole song is, feels like balanced. Um, and I really liked it. I feel like the instrumental side of things kind of follow the vocals well as well like there's kind of a fuzziness to um the verses and then kind of almost a clarity clarity kind of clean sound to the choruses which i think sounds brilliant and like you said it's deliberate it's mm. to make a difference between the two yeah parts of the songs really um for a band still in its infancy it's great they've already managed to fuse all their members influences into such a kind of diverse style even within just one song there's so many yeah. different styles on show and they're going to be a band to look out for this year for sure i think there's just great energy throughout the track and i think it's something that's going to translate fantastically live and i found like we said a few times there about the instrumentals of it i found just listening there's so many me- like layers to the musical composition that every time i kind of re-listen to it i'm trying to pick out different things in it and that's just so clever with how they've got that and how it's composed and put together um, I think this might be the song that's starting to really get me by Static Dress. So I'm intrigued by what else is going to come out this year, potentially. Another thing that I wanted to talk about that sort of came to mind with thinking about this song is like their release strategy. Because aside from Prologue, which was only about 15 minutes long and technically only three proper songs. If you, uh, but other than that, it's been like a steady stream of singles. And do you think that, A, do you think it's working for them? B, do you would you want them to do a full length? Because you look at traditional bands will do six months to a year of writing, two to three years of touring, whereas Static Dress could be near constantly touring and just drip feed in these new songs and phase out old ones. Sort of that way there's almost like this infinite sort of continuation rather than defined chapters. Is that something you'd be I like having this more regular approach to new things coming out, like little and often. I think my prime example that we spoke about before was Of Mice and Men. Before last year, I hadn't really delved into them. And now, come out of that, I'm a big fan because of those multiple EP releases and those first or just singles coming out. And then, okay, those are part of one EP. And then the next one's coming out. That kept me as a fan and looking forward to all their music throughout the year. And so I think this approach by them, again, like it's is different than it's just kind of singles coming out. I'm sure they'll put it all together probably at one point as an album release, a bit like how Echo came together. Uh, for me, I like digesting music that way, especially when trying to get into new bands. So that would appeal for myself. Personally, I always prefer the album format, but James said from the listener side, when you're trying to get into a new band, you prefer singles. So that kind of works for a small band that's trying to grow their fan base and get more people on board. They're going to be better off putting out singles yeah so i think for now they're they're going down the right route strategy wise and will perhaps build up to an album if not the end of this year maybe next year once they build up their following a bit i feel like they'll be fine either way because they've clearly got such a strong creative vision because if you watch the videos like all the way through 
like visually it's they've got such a strong identity but everything's very subtly changing whether it's the way they paint the walls in the videos you know changed color yeah. schemes and patterns and stuff it's not really a question that has to be answered but i just think it's interesting i don't, th- I don't think there really is an answer yeah. either no it's no. either thing or either way works i think it's all just listing preference as well isn't yeah. it what, yeah. what gets you into a band and how, how can they capture you and make you a fan of them because when i first like got into them I, I remember seeing on youtube like seven different official like music videos and i thought like this is why have they got so many videos and it's because they just do one for every song and i feel like when they're if they work that way just almost one song at a time then that gets all their attention and it's not that bands set out to write filler songs but they're you know it happens just sort of by well processes. it means it means that every song has to grab some attention yeah it has to be good you can't hide it amongst another eight or nine nine better songs I think it's definitely interesting, especially something that the pop world has been, a model that the pop world has been using for so long. Seeing it start to seep into alternative music is interesting. Oh, lovely little discussion. <laughs> Look at us, podcasting. <laughs> Knucklepuck have released their second single recently, Gasoline. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think it's faultless, really. At a time when like all of their contemporaries have moved away from pop punk to varying levels of success, I think it's quite nice to see them quite proudly like returning to that sound um i just love it i think my only regret is that we've had so much to listen to this month that it sort of got a bit lost in the shuffle for me i would have liked to have just binge listened to it which i probably will when we finish lost in the shuffle (laughs) i like that term um but yeah i liked it what did you guys think i agree with you where it's just like it doesn't do anything wrong but i also think it stays a little bit on a plateau but like on a good plateau like, it's nice and consistent the whole way through. You can sort of ride the wave quite easily. Yeah, and it's it's not a bad song in the slightest. But I think it's not a great song or it's not one of the best I've heard from them. Like, there's some amazing parts. The drum beat and the riffs, I think, really complement each other well. And the prominent bass is nice to hear. Solid vocals throughout. And I enjoyed listening to it. But I felt like we say at a nice, good high level, they could have reached a little bit higher. I think it could have just been made into a bit, bit more of a reach, a bit higher points in the song perhaps i agree with james on this one i think um it's yeah it's a good it's just a good song it doesn't do anything crazy i think if you put this against other knucklepuck songs it doesn't really stand out against them it's just a good pop punk song um their previous album kind of passed me by a bit then was a bit forget um, forgettable but this and the last song gasoline have, have both perked my ears up a bit more again um, it feels a lot like a crossover between their cop- copacetic and shapeshifter era, which it, personally I think was their their best music. So I'm looking forward to the EP, which comes out on February the fourth. Excited. Corn released "Forgotten," another single for their upcoming album "Requiem." What do you guys think? I love it. It's a nice intro with the rim hits and the groovy riff, and just reminds me that I love new metal so much. Um, I find it interesting that Ray Luz's drum parts have always kind of split the Korn fan base because there was such like a different feel to when David Silvera was drumming. But for me, Ray's drumming makes me enjoy them more. Um, I feel like the song hits like a nice high in the chorus and Jonathan's vocals sound great. We liked a few more screams in the chorus, I think, just to make it nice and diverse. Um, but I think it's a really, really good song. Bridge section was nice and I think it's going to open up some pits at download. Um, very much looking forward to the album being released very soon. So yeah, I was a big fan. Well, I was looking forward to hearing some more corn because I enjoyed the last one, and this is no different. I really liked this. Um, 
their new songs so far feel a little simplified compared to some of their older stuff but that's great for people like me who haven't really listened to too much corn and want to get into them a bit more um so i'm looking forward to hearing a bit more i think even though that's a good point that you make but even as like existing corn fans me and ej like something like this that is i guess a bit more simplified it's not in any way boring or like it's just sort of they know what they do and they know how to do it well and they've just employed all of those elements today they have a system that works Yeah. yeah I think the thing that I like the most about the two songs that we've heard is the way that Jonathan Davies um, sort of finds different voices within himself. Like there's this this reserved, like tortured style of delivery mm-hmm. where he's almost like afraid of what he's saying and then he can let it out when he needs to and it's impactful as well. Um, yeah, you, you sort of, I think people overlook Corn until you hear like a banger and then you have sort of a reminded how good they really are. So I'm excited for the album. I also think that they're going into their 29th year this year. God, wow. 1993 was when they first formed. And for them still to be relevant, current, putting out good music, and then obviously what download later this year, I think they could be in for a good 2022. Mm. Especially with some of the struggles they've gone through as well, to all still be here. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and all these recordings still have Fieldy on currently. Yeah, he had recorded all these parts before. Which his is which is break at the moment. Heavily important to the band, I think. Very important to their sound. His bass sound is very key. Hey guys, what happens when you order sleep token off Wish? You get Muse. You get this majestic heap of shit. Right, we, should we talk about the artwork? <laughs> artwork for <laughs> this majestic heap of shit. Should we talk about the artwork first or the song? Hey, let's go with the artwork. Let's do it. All right, this wound me up. Like the memes were funny. The memes were funny, but the more that I thought about it, the more wound up I got. Because it, it, it just is sleep token, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Muse are a big band. They're signed to Warner Music Group, which is massive. A lot of people probably worked on this album, both in the Muse camp and at the label, which means that sort of one of four things happened here. It's an honest-to-God accident, which is not likely. No, which, which it definitely isn't. Two, it's simply just a straight rip-off, which is shitty from everyone involved three is that it's an original idea and they never saw sleep tokens artwork until it came out and don't believe yeah. that or it was an original idea they saw sleep tokens artwork and went ahead with it anyway which to me feels like the most likely route yeah. because there's no way you can be at a major label like that and not have people just aware of the current state of the scene especially if Muse are going to dabble into heavy stuff especially with how big that Sleep Token album was as well yeah. that got a lot of attention from multiple big outlets and it just it really rubbed me the wrong way like it it sort of because I, I saw the artwork before I well the artwork was released before the song came out and it sort of put me into this mindset of like wanting the song to fail because I was just so like but even down to like the bottom part of the artwork, yeah, where the you've kind of got emblem, like the little yeah. Emblem. I mean, there's a number of things here that are just are too coincidental for me. I mean, you've got the the kind of a Sith Lord kind of figure, which just is Vessel, isn't mm. it? They also happen to have a mask on. Um, it's kind of blue and kind of oceanic looking. There's um, followers in this cult as well, and for me, the big thing is the rune at the bottom. Yeah, mm. that's you. That rune has like no significance in like the video or anything as well, from what I could gather as well. So that's just it feels like 
that let's say they've been inspired by Sneak Token. Mm. And that's put in nicely. It just seems a bit too coincidental for me. It's, I mean, plagiarism and inspiration is a delicate balance, I think, and I, this is the wrong side of it for me. Just especially because you, so much goes into like as fans of Sleep Token, we can tell that a lot goes into what they do, and they've put a lot of work into being the band that they are, and everything has a meaning and a purpose. Where Muse have just gone, oh, cool, cool vibes, could just nick that. So then, bearing all that in mind, what do you think of the song, Alex? Boring. <laughs> Um, that heavy riff is a riff of something and I can't I can't place it well so this this is Muse's Don't Stand Down I'm going to stop that there and then play this oh fuck shit that's it. I think that's it. Okay, we, that might not get played in the podcast. So if that had to be edited out, that was it's Parasite Eve. It's the Parasite Eve riff. Fuck. It's only the little like diddly little, little bits. Bit at the end. Yeah, for that do do do. It's the same. That's what I thought with the the Spirit Box one as well. I was like, I, I thought that was the closest one I could get, but I could mm. tell in my head that there was a one that was closer. What's coming to my head is the Jared Lungy. This is plagiarism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what we've gathered there is Muse have copied the promotional materials. They've copied copied, the copied some riffs, and it's still not good. <laughs> I just I I thought the heavy bits weren't original, the melodic bits were annoying, the electronic bits were shit, and it, it oh, fuck off. <laughs> See, I, I've never really liked Muse that much. To me, they they seem a bit dad rocky, but I thought I'll put that aside. I'll I'll independently review this as just this song but to me it's like they've just stitched together a 21 pilots verse and then a bring me the horizon guitar riff um and then chucked the first breakdown together that came to their heads i'm gonna be honest i've got nothing to add to both of what compared to what you both have said um i also have never been a big fan of muse there's a few songs that do stand out that they've had that are big like you look at superman black hole and things like that They've never been a band for me, and it just continues that way. Mm. It, if my friend Ross is listening to this, I do want to apologise, because I know you're a big Muse fan, but we sort of went in a bit hard there, didn't we? There's another bit as well in, oh, the, in the intro. That's a ha. Yes. Take on me, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Matt Bellamy, you suck. Moving on. Twin Atlantic released Transparency. Anyone got anything nice to say? Well, the word transparency can be used to mean honesty. And if I'm honest, I think this album is not very good. <laughs> um, I mentioned in our vlog when I saw them live recently um, that I really liked their older stuff and really didn't like their newer stuff. And unfortunately, this album's done nothing to change that. Um, the good bits we'll go for, I quite liked Haunt. And there's parts of It's Getting Dark where Sam really projects his lyrics and vocals out, which are great. Um, but everything else just seems a bit soulless and processional. It's kind of like they've listened to some to what some current breakthrough indie bands are doing, like Squid and Sports Team, and they've tried to kind of replicate that with kind of the spoken word bits and like voicemail kind of sound mm. effect thing. Um, 
I had low expectations going into because of how bad Bang on the Gong was. And although no song on this album is any worse than that, it still falls short of those expectations. Jesus. Well, I, I tried. Yeah. It failed. <laughs> I just, first of all, going from track one to track two is so jarring. I was like, have I list, have I, is the playlist on shuffle or something? Have I listened to something else by accident? Couldn't believe that those songs went from one into another. I just found the whole thing to just be really like grating. Like the music itself, the vocal delivery, some of the lyrics, I was just like, oh. I don't I don't think I got all the way through it as well, which was just like I'm not listening to this anymore. So moving on. <laughs> on to a better album. On to a much better a album. A much better album. Under Oath released Voyeurist, their ninth full length album. I think for a band like Under Oath who have a lot of history and a sort of iconic status within the scene. I was worried that because this was my first time listening to them properly, it wouldn't live up to the expectations I had in my head. And I was also worried that there wouldn't really be a place for them in the modern metalcore scene. Um, but I was wrong on both accounts. I really, really loved it. What did you guys think? Exactly the same. Being my first kind of main listen to Under Oath as well. They've always been one of those bands that you you see on tour posters, you hear other bands touring with, and you're like, oh, okay, I need to get into them at some point. And you say they're ninth album in, and we're just getting into it. I loved it. I think it was such a strong start to an album with damn excuses, fast-paced, energetic. And that quickly became one of my favourites. Hallelujah was the song that we'd reviewed previously. And I'd forgotten about it slightly. And then when it came back in, I was like, oh yeah, this. And I found myself enjoying it even more on this repeat listening going through the albums. And I think there's great drum parts written throughout. Thorn, the little rim clips during the verse, I think make it so intriguing. It seems so much more expressive in what they're doing there. And then I think We're All Gonna Die is another standout song for me. I think the verse is a standout, but that chorus just raises that song up to another level. And yeah, I'm a huge fan of this. Yeah, I, I love this album. Um, Damn Excuses is a brilliant intro to start with. It's it's heavy, angry, brilliant. Um, I think um, I'm Pretty Sure I'm Out of Luck and Have No Friends is a really interesting song, but it's maybe placed a little early in the album. I f- yeah. It feels like a bit of a breather song that you put kind of midway or kind of towards the end. A bit like how but, No Oasis is. Yeah. But a, but a great song, nonetheless. Uh, Thorn's probably my favourite from the album. Yeah, I'm mine. Um, got a lot of Amity Affliction vibes from it. Um, it feels kind of like the song flows seamlessly from verse to chorus to verse, despite all the kind of different production effects and things they use in it. And then Take a Breath as well is another great example of a flowy song where the riff just sort of carries it wherever it wants to go. It's kind of almost like they wrote it as they went along. It's got a certain freedom to it, yeah. which I really enjoyed. And then Pneumonia is just an epic album closer. Yeah. Loved it. I think I like that because um, it obviously deals with like life and death and trying to find meaning in both of those things. And because it never really gives an answer, it sort of made me have this like subconscious like drive to keep going back to it. Like I was trying to find, trying the, answer. To find the answer. Yeah, yeah. So it was a weird thing. And I feel like it's reflected in the music as well because it, the band were like comfortable, like lingering in the moments of discomfort. If that makes sense. And then when the tension is released, it's even greater than it would have been had they not stayed in that uncomfortable moment a bit longer. I think, yeah, it's, well, album of the year so far. <laughs> hey. For me. For you. I loved it, yeah. I'm, I'm an Under Oath fan now. I think, I think you're spot on with that death theme. It's almost like arguing and looking for answers throughout the whole album. And then pneumonia almost feels, the reason I think it's such a great album closer as well, it kind of feels like, an acceptance that there doesn't have to be an answer. 
that yeah. there doesn't have to be a reason for it. And lastly, fit for an autopsy released, oh, what the future holds. James, what do you think? I mean, what you just said under oath already is your album of the year. This is my album of the year. I know we're so early into it. This is podcast episode one of January hit in 2022. Um, this death call resurgence we had last like a couple of years, it just keeps on going. And I absolutely love this. Um, Far From Heaven was one of the first songs that really got me. I love the intros, the drum work, just the whole instrumental composition was just amazing. And I found out the vocals actually had a lot of clarity in them still. And I think that's something that in some deathcore you don't hear and it just, you hear the screams, you hear the growls and it's just a bit of a merge. And I think the clarity, especially in this, really pulled me in even more. And I think Far From Heaven is probably my favourite song out of the whole podcast this month. I think it's an incredible song. Um, another nice different intro and a higher level of hate and the production switch up was welcoming, which absolutely incredible. And I think you're going to touch upon that in a bit, Alex, because you sent me a video for it. Um, the fast-paced vocals gave me a bit reminiscent of Whitechapel. So again, other pioneers in deathcore, yeah. which is amazing. And I want to point out some beautiful lyrics that I think go unnoticed in Collateral Damage of worms linger, leech, finger, creature, carving scars in the skin. I think it's just beautifully poetic. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if I'd get through that with a straight face, and I didn't. But Collateral Damage, when he has the phrasing of Collateral Damage, face it, embrace it. I think there are a few times I think I hear songs where the lyrics completely sound like they fit perfectly with a riff and the music pattern with the drums. And it just feels like every time he says those kind of, that phrase of three, it hits perfectly. Mm -hmm. And I can't think of a lot of examples where I found that. And I, I found myself having that bit in itself just go around in my head constantly. And then I think the man that I was not was a great way to close off the album. And it was something different, melodic, heavy, an absolute journey. And it made me feel like, with his vocal performance in particular, like images of war. And it's like, you're going into like your last big battle. Um, and I could just punch it so hard. It's the last big assault and just a strong way to close off the album. So this for me, incredible. And I can't say how many times I've gone back and listened to this. I love it. Yeah, I think you can't really go wrong with an album like this. Like It knows what it is and it does it absolutely perfectly. I didn't need it to be any more melodic or anything different than what it was you just want a bit of unrelenting punishing music and it it's almost like effortless for the band and um yeah the production thing you're talking about on a high level of hate is actually um will putney in the studio with uh a dog and they're like sort of slapping the sides of the dog and like recording that as like percussion extra percussion and yeah i think things like that are just so cool when you you see them and then you can hear them again like in the song Will Putney is the best producer of heavy music. I really liked on that song as well, the way the vocal melody matched the guitar. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It just seems like so well thought out. I Yeah. I can't phrase it enough. I've got nothing else to add, really. It's just that uh, Pandora's opened up her box and released some fast, heavy, angry metal onto the world. Cheers, babe. Because one of the songs is called Pandora. Yeah. We've got some releases to look forward to in February. Uh, the following are all happening on the 4th. Knucklepuck will release Disposable Life EP, Korn's Requiem album, Corpse Grinder of Cannibal Corpse will release his self-titled solo album, As It Is will release I Went to Hell and Back, and on the 11th of February, Frank Turner will release FTHC. What are you guys excited for out of that? Korn on my standout for that, after these two singles that have come out, um, my love of Korn anyway, and looking forward to seeing them down in festival. I'm really hoping this album's going to pull out all the stops and be a fantastic one for them. 
I'm excited for that new Knuckle Puck EP after hearing the uh, the two singles so far from it. Can't wait. Yeah, I'm excited for both of those as well. I'll dabble in that Corpse Grinder album. You know, I'm kind of tempted. Sort of curious to see what it's like. I've never gone into Cannibal Corpse and actually listened to them. So I feel like this is kind of going to be me verging towards that and just seeing how it's going to be. So that'll be interesting. Interesting, yeah. No gigs talk about this month, which is sad. So I want to put a question to you guys, given that a lot of tours have been cancelled recently, postponed, whatever, and cases are quite... I can't say that word, can we? YouTube doesn't like it. (laughs) Cases are quite high at the moment. Um, Damn. (laughs) is, Is live music a little bit fucked again, do we think, for a little while? I think sadly, yes. By the amount of tours you're seeing that are dropping off, even just individual bands that are, are coming off of lineups, various things. There's still just so much. I think people worrying about what's going to happen with it. You look, we've got gigs coming up. We don't know if they're going to happen. We see bands that usually are post a lot about touring and these gigs coming up to promote it are hardly posting, probably in the fear of themselves. That if they post around it too much of it, they're going to build up the hype, the anticipation, sell all these tickets and then have to disappoint their fans. So... I think from consumers, from the bands themselves, everyone is just so unsure of what's happening and will it all go ahead? I think in the short term, it's it's definitely moderately fucked. Mm. Um, all it takes is one case, one bit of... And the whole tour's done. And any investment, any production, any prepaid things just get lost. I mean, a lot of people don't appreciate how much money there is in like spent on touring. Yeah. I mean, like you've got to book the venues. There's a booking fee that you, the band isn't going to get back. There's the the merch that they've all printed for the tour. They're not going to get the money back from that, and they're not going to be able to sell the merch if it's tour specific as well. So just one case on the whole tour, and the whole tour can get cancelled. The band can lose all this money, and bands make a a big bulk of their money from touring. If they then don't even break even, if they're making a loss on a tour, it can be career-ending for a lot of smaller bands. Well, I was watching a Craig Reynolds stream, and um, I might get the, the numbers a bit wrong, but he said, he, he was talking about the upcoming Beartooth tour that they're planning on being on, and he said um, for Stray, like flights, work visas, everything like that, um, even, th- even down to renting the bus you don't even think about, he was like, it could put them 20 grand in the hole straight away before the tour starts. And then he said, like, you potentially could make that money back just at Brixton. But if you don't play Brixton because you've got... Do you know what I mean? Financially. I think the thing that is a bit more fucked is foreign bands coming here to tour, particularly America, and particularly bands that are trying to make tours out of the UK and Europe because trying to navigate every country in Europe's different policies, guidelines and requirements is just I just don't think it's feasible at the moment especially while we're still in the winter months and you know it's always going to be more virulent in the winter months than it was in the summer um I, I part of me is sort of hoping I guess that UK bands doing UK only tours could probably still go ahead I think UK bands doing domestic bands doing a domestic tour on a very small budget will yeah. Will probably still go ahead. Like we've, there's the Boston Manor tour coming up. Things like that, I think, should be okay. 
but they won't be wanting to invest a lot of money into it. There won't be very high production levels. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought because, um, like I said, it only takes one, <laughs> yeah. and the whole thing's off. It was something we saw a lot of um, in the run up to Christmas. A lot of bands. Yeah, um, that's the Creeper tour that had Holden Absence and Static Dress on it as well. And I think they might have ended up just sort of sacking off the last bit of the tour. If I, if I think they had bands dropping off one by one, and then yeah. eventually it was kind of just Creeper and Static Dress, I think. I know it's a depressing thing to think about, but... Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's this, these bands, it's their livelihoods at stake, isn't it? If, if it's not worth the risk of them going out on the tour and risking all their all their money and potentially their career, then so be it. Let's yeah. just see them in the spring and the summer. I think it's a reminder as well to to get you if you're if you have a favorite band that's releasing new music, put in a pre order or buy a bit of merch from an online store because they need it now uh, again more than ever. I can definitely still see some of these like UK bands doing more tours. I think I I could easily see maybe another Sleep Token tour, even holding absence because a lot of these bands they released a lot of new music last year and yes we've seen them on tours in the past few months but. Like you said, this is their livelihood. This is how they earn most of their money is through these tours. So I can easily see these bands doing multiple more tours, especially if they can't travel, if they don't want to travel, and they'll worry about that. My other one that is in the back of my mind a little bit is still looking at festivals and still thinking down in festival. Let's say travel's fine. That's all good. Take Downer, for example. It's five days. We're all going planning on going for five days. You can still buy day tickets. So what have Downley Festival got in place that is going to make sure the people coming in on the day tickets who are being screened is then still then protecting people like us who are on the five day. We're going to be there from the Wednesday through to the Monday morning, potentially. So people coming just for, say, Saturday. Again, the chance of cases is going to be higher for that, isn't it? So you've still got to think a, a little bit of wariness about if these can still go ahead, how they'll go ahead. And what they're going to implement to make sure that it is, I guess, as safe as it can be. I mean, it, it'll probably depend on what the rules are with the, the virus at that time. Because, I mean, even before it was compulsory, venues in the UK were asking for proof of vaccination or, or proof of a negative test before you could enter. So I imagine that might still be a thing well, beyond restrictions yeah. as well. I mean, the worrying thing in relation to that, though, is that we've been to gigs where the venues haven't checked and like even though mm. we've done our covid tests before we went no one look no one bothered to look at my covid pass or, or the checks are like that that meme of that guy yeah. outside the football thing where he's like pretending to pat someone down it's like you're not even touching them yeah the, the checks it's like there's a been half some that have checked that they've QR probably code, looked at yeah. it and they've looked at dates and i've seen them look at my phone there is somewhere it's just like what was the point because you haven't checked anything so it, it depends on venues again as well different venues have had different things I think, again, case numbers should be lower by summer festival time anyway. Mm. Yeah, depressing. Mm. Well, sorry. Do I we have a summary? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Things are a bit shit. Tours are getting yeah. cancelled. Support your favourite bands any way you can. But some bands could have a great 2022 this year. Oh, great segue. <laughs> Let's go to the discussion. Today we're going to be discussing which bands will be having the best 2022. Who wants to kick things off? I'll start because 
we've had brief discussions on a few bands, so I'm going to steal one straight away from you. I think Bring Me the Horizon are going to have a great 2022. Um, likely to release their second post-human record. Um, headlining Reading and Leeds. Can only keep going from strength to strength. They've got, hopefully if it goes ahead, the Malta Weekender, curated by them, featuring two performances. And Stein's kind of come to the realisation, I think I mentioned to you, Alex, but I think to more people, they're almost becoming the UK equivalent of Slipknot in terms of what they're capable of doing with things and how they like curating this festival, the the big things that they're going to be able to do. You look at the depth of the history of the bands, different genres, how they can pull in from all different people. The production we saw in the last tour, it's reaching a very grand scale. And I think with this next post-human release, because the last one was so successful, they could just be going to an even higher level. So I think they, they're going to kill it this year. Yeah, I completely agree. I I sort of feel a bit um, selfishly would rather they were saved for headline and download rather than headline and Reading and Leeds. Yeah. Because I feel like, I know they went through that those years of being bottled and boot, people hating them, but I feel like now is the time for them to headline download. And I'm just a bit frustrated that it's, it's at Reading and Leeds instead. But I completely agree. That multi-weekend is just insane. Well, well people will go to that from all throughout Europe. It won't yeah. just be people from the UK. Um, yeah, I th- I'm so excited for the next post-human release. I can't wait. I think they're going to have a really great year. And I knew they were going to be headlining Reading and Leeds this year. As, as I said they should. You did. And it's happening. You called it. Called it. Uh, a smaller band that I've got is one that I don't really know much about personally, but it's Wargasm. Um, they won Best Breakthrough Band at the Heavy Music Awards that we went to. They were featured on, I believe it was the Metal Hammers um, bands to watch in 2022 uh, cover feature and they seem to just sort of be everywhere they're on every tour supporting everyone played at the download pilot I think to quite a good reaction um, and I think the sort of the Milky Way being quite a charismatic front woman is going to really help them because it's going to attract people to that band I'd be quite quite intrigued to see them live actually I see a lot of people criticising them saying oh they're, they've they're an industry plant. They've paid their way onto that stage. Well, look how many shows they've played. Look how hard they're working. They've mm. they've earned that. Um, I've got another smaller band that that I want to want I want to kind of shout on. I think they'll have a great year. Static Dress. We've spoken about them a lot before. That they've been building a, a lot of hype for the last couple of years, and I think a lot more people are getting on board with what they're doing now, and they're showing such great creativity and, and the uniqueness that I think will make them go far. And this could be a, a big breakout year for them, I think. Yeah, agreed. And again, they're another band that just seem to be playing every single tour, like imaginable, playing to crowds that you wouldn't expect them to be playing to. Um, I think they've got. An, I think their look is really unique as well, and that's going to help. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do this year because I feel like they're going to keep releasing music at the rate that they have been, which is very exciting. Uh, I've got a good one here that I think are going to have a good 2022, and I think that's Biffy. I don't know if I've said to both of you, but I definitely think that I think they're going to steal the show at Download. That last album that came out last year, I've started listening to some of it, really enjoying it. You recommended one of the albums as well towards the latter half of the year. Again, enjoyed that. And I think second time headlining, I think people are still unassuming maybe or not expecting them to put out a great set and absolutely kill it but i think closing off the weekend on the sunday i, I am yeah okay you you're probably one of the exceptions to that but i think closing off that sunday slot 
and with the potential of what they could play if they like not necessarily just the right set list because they've got a lot of big songs they can put in with it but I think production will be interesting to see crowd participation and maybe a, a different reception than what they've had previously you're still going to have all these people who are just going to complain because it's not the old band that you've seen on there fucking six five times like you've got Iron Maiden on here but I think they're going to be able to shock a lot of people in a good way and be like, oh, fuck, okay, you know what? They killed it. I agree. I feel like also they're going to get a chance to really stretch their legs with the two albums because I, I don't think they got, they've had much chance to tour. I know they did that small tour that... Yeah, they did. Yeah, they've done a small tour towards the end of last year. They did a couple of bigger shows. It wasn't exactly a tour. It was just kind of a big show in Cardiff and a big show in Scotland, I think. Um and they were a late addition to Reading and Leeds last year as well. But other than that, they've not played too many shows. You're right. Yeah, could be a big year for that, man. Could be. I've got one more, um, and it's Spirit Box. Purely just because um, they've not really had much of a chance to play live. I know they did a bit towards the latter half of last year, but that album had so much hype. People loved it. And um, yeah, I think them live is going to really translate well. I think it's going to be so much fun to hear those songs. You, you think we've been listening to songs like Holy Roller and Constance for like a few years now. So I think people are on the edge of their seat to see Spirit Box Live, especially in the UK. That's the thing. With them at Downing Festival, still quite low down on the bill. If they stay on that kind of stage, they're going to draw such a crowd. So they may end up getting moved up, who knows. But I think there's a few bands that could really benefit from that, like touring overseas, I think. Sleep Token could break into America. You, we've seen it from people just commenting on some of our videos that they're just desperate for them to tour over there. I think in reverse, uh, Tala coming to the UK for the first time playing Bloodstock, hopefully. I still think they could have another big year if they release another album. We saw from the pace at the end of last year. I think a lot of this travel situation is going to depend on if these bands can break through into different audiences and they're already in. Anything to add? I've got another smaller band that I think might have a, a decent breakthrough year this year. Uh, they're called Harriet. They're they're quite local to us. They're from Swindon. Um, yeah. yeah, but other than that, they're a really good band. Um, they've managed to get themselves on loads of different bills for the upcoming year. They're on the 2000 Trees lineup, for example. They're actually on that Knocked Loose Terror. They're playing a couple of shows on that tour, I believe. Um, and... They're, they're just a great band. They're devastatingly heavy. They're another kind of deathcore band that are just... I, I guess I'd label them as deathcore. They're, they're in great things. They've recently got a new vocalist in um, in Debbie, and she's just brilliant. Oh, I'm excited. I've not I'm really heard them much out about them, actually. No, yeah, actually. neither have I. Oh, another one just popped into my head is Press Tomiko. Um, oh, yeah. Mm. I, th- I think I said when we reviewed it, like, now's the time to try and catch them live because it's going to be so fun and still quite intimate. Mm-hmm. That album was ridiculous. I really like that album a lot. So, yeah. I think 2022 is going to be another great year. 2021 was amazing, but I'm very excited about this year. Well, let us know in the comments who you think is going to have the best year. Maybe a band that you you want to hear some new music from. And we'll recommend some albums now. <laughs> James, what would you like to recommend this episode? I'm recommending an album that I've only just started listening to myself. I've always heard the name Amur that I've seen on various posters, 
I heard other bands kind of mention them and just seen the name floating around for a good while. And I just happened to find 2017's Look At Yourself. Great album, fantastically heavy. Um, very new metally at some points as well, which is quite interesting. Different influences. Uh, big tunes of Smokey and Major Key Alert for me. And for me, just starting to find this band and starting to get into them, it was just quite nice to have something new and refreshing. So check it out. I'd like to recommend Death is a Warm Blanket by Microwave. Um, they're such a consistent band. Every album that they've done has been brilliant, but this one for me is just their, their most cohesive piece. Um, it's under half an hour long, so it's it's quite a short one, but it's it's such a sweet listen. Nice. Uh, and I'm going to recommend Aerozone by Vane FM for two reasons. Uh, one, uh, like you guys both said with when we reviewed Killing Room, like, you want to hear more of it. And um, that song was so short, so I thought, oh, I'll just listen to the whole album then. Um, we will hear more of it. And I sort of just want us to get a bit more into them before this new album comes out uh, later this year. So that's my recommendation. So we now have our own Spotify. So if you search for The Ragamuffins or look via our Instagram, you'll see playlists that we've put up. All kinds of festivals coming up. Slam Dunk Download. There'll be some for 2000 Trees and Outbreak as well. All the festivals we're going to. You'll be able to see all the recommendations we put for albums towards each other. And you'll also be able to track the podcast reviews that we're going to do. As we add them in each month, you can follow along, see what all these great new up-and-coming releases are, and then hear our thoughts at the end of the month. We'd also like to present the Ragamuffin Radar, a new playlist where we show the best of underground and independent artists, and we want to hear you. So if you're a small band, check the link in the description and submit your song to our new playlist. And if you haven't already, go check out the first episode of A Perfect Gig with our mate Ruben. It's a great episode. Oh, friends. Like and subscribe. <laughs> and if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, hit follow and leave a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, let us know in the comments who are your picks for breakthrough bands in 2022. Who's going to have a good year? <laughs>